Ladies and gentlemen, it's another special episode of the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. I'm Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. We're going to have a very special episode tonight, a very special retrospective. This is being recorded on June 26, 2018. Um, But before we get into that, we want to talk about a little bit of uh, current news. First of all, though, guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. I... Um, so a little bit of a story from my day. It'll be quick. So I work I work in the downtown area of my of the city I live in, and I park in a garage, which means I have about a five minute walk through a park to get to my building. So it's about three ten today, and you can just see these black as night clouds like rolling in. So I pretty much had to flee to my car as the rain was starting to pour on me. Mm, yeah, I had to do that a couple times today. So, yeah, that was fun. That kind of kind of fits the topic we'll get into tonight. Matt, did you get rained on as well? Uh, no, no no rain here in the DC area today. Just muggy. Uh, well, it's it it kind of gets muggy more and more July, August. Okay, I, I I was in DC for a while, a while back and that was a way that I described a lot of my days there. You know, I think it's rained like 10 out of the last 13 days in Ohio. There's been a lot here, too. Just, I can't, I can barely get my lawn mowed because it doesn't dry out enough. See, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fancy person and I pay someone to mow my grass. See, I, I subscribe to the Hank Hill uh, mantra. And, Why would anybody do drugs when they could just mow a lawn? <laughs> well, I used to do it and then my allergies got to the point where... I get sick if I do it, so I can't do it anymore. Okay. So, um, we had a little bit... Uh, oh, silly me. How could I forget? We we have our very special shout-out that needs to go out tonight. Uh, Matt, who would that be to? That would be to Epico Cologne. Um, <laughs> yes, shout-out to Shout-out to Epico. I actually have... I want to contact Epico. I have a great idea for him um, for when he comes back onto TV. Uh it's a great gimmick. He and uh, he and Primo can come. We're gonna we're gonna put Primo in like stilts. <laughs> okay. Um. So he's a little bit taller, and it's gonna be Epico Amore. He's gonna be a <laughs> Long Island Guido. Um. Actually, no. I take it back. We can still make him Puerto Rican. Um. <laughs> that makes it with funnier. Him, with Primo on stilts, is the line going to be? And you can teach that. Yeah, you, you can you can teach someone to walk on stilts and be seven feet tall. Yes, and he'll drop a better elbow than Cass did. Yeah, and they can be the certified peas, the certified Puerto Ricans. <laughs> and then the heels can come out with a saw and try and like cut his stilts down. I could see someone trying to drop an elbow on the stilt and yeah, then looking and at it and be like, "This isn't working." And instead of uh, "How you doing?" it's "Como estás." Matt, I love this idea. Uh, I want to see it so badly. You know, if if Cass had any originality whatsoever, he would make his indie name Cass of Unusual Size. <laughs> I didn't expect there to be a Princess Bride reference this evening. I should. Like, I always should. 
that's just good taste. But that movie should go along with anything wrestling because Andre was in it. That's true. That's true. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> that actually, Matt, your your idea ties in with our bit of news. Um, Brad, why don't you tell us about the news? So was it Tuesday that, that came out? Uh, it was. Yeah, it was Tuesday. So Big Cass got fired, and not just any kind of fired, like Vince McMahon showed up personally to fire him. There's lots of rumors floating around about why, um, and and I know there was at least one dirt sheet that, that was known for fabricating stuff, so it's kind of hard to put a finger on exactly what it is. I'm going to go with what Meltzer said is, they did not like him going into business for himself with the little person. And mm-hmm. then there was a promo where he did not show up to rehearsals. And then it came off really bad to the point that Vince fired the writer. And then yeah. there were there were actions which I believe included public intoxication on the European tour and destroying a bathroom that he locked himself into. The on the bus. Yes. That bathroom is on the bus. Yeah. So we are. Um, yeah, that's that's what I've been hearing. Uh, incidentally, just for reference sake, the little Daniel Bryan thing, he was supposed to give him a big boot and walk out. And he said, no, nah, I want to get some heat on him by doing some ground and pound. And the agent said, don't. So he took it to Vince and Vince said, don't. And they did it anyway. Um. It just you put all the stuff together and it sounds like Cass really just was an idiot, you know. Um, maybe there's more to it that we don't know, but it's like the boss, the big boss, tells you not to do something and you decide to do it anyway. So you know what my big takeaway from this was. Is hmm. I was reading all this stuff and I was thinking and like there was something in the back of my head going like this is just some moron that's in his mid twenties and just hasn't learned yet and then I looked it up when he was fired and he's thirty years old and my my opinion changed a lot where I'm like he's thirty like he should know better by this point in his life. Well, hasn't he hasn't he also been with the company for like seven eight years or something yeah. like that which he's been there yeah. since like 2011 or something like some absurd amount of time where he should be far better at his job than he is i i was i i am still i still feel like that the best finger in the wind that you can give for how Cass has not advanced is the fact that his finish is basically was just basically a standing elbow drop you know, it's it's if you can't do anything better than that, then that says a lot about you. Who's worse? Well, he had like a oh. he had a crappy big boot too. So yeah. yeah. Who who's worse at their job? He had like generic. Uh, what? <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, who's worse at their job? Uh, big Cass at wrestling or CM Punk at MMA? Oh well, that CM Punk. I mean, yeah, yeah. Cass, Cass was Cass, at least over. Yeah, Cass couldn't do much, but he could at least like go through the basics of a match. The, and then the other things I thought was, well, Carmella made it the longest out of all of them, and Enzo was the smart one. <laughs> Doesn't it just seem so weird? 
Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So, Cass has left the building and... Won't be coming back anytime soon. Yeah. yeah you, won't I, see, you won't see him no more. I don't think anybody's really upset about that. I, like, I read that indie promoters are trying to get them to work together, but... Um, I don't know how that'll go. It's kind of hard to tell. Also, I had read his political views were getting him in trouble. Yeah. Oh, incidentally. How so? Explain. Apparently he was being obnoxious about them. Honestly, I think it was... (laughs) I think what a lot of people have discussed this have missed is when someone's incompetent or you dislike them, you look for reasons to basically shit on them more. So I think the political views are really not a big deal. It's just that no one liked him, so that was an easy thing to attack him for because I'm pretty sure if you sat Big Cass and AJ Styles down, that Big Cass is probably more in the center than AJ Styles is, but people actually like AJ Styles because he's probably not like a lunk-headed douche. Mm-hmm. So. I like that term. That's a good term. Um Interestingly enough, Enzo was on the Steve Austin podcast, too, and Enzo implied that Triple H never gave them a big push in NXT because he felt like they would mess it up. I can see that. So, um... In defense of Triple H, though, you really didn't need to push them because you could pretty much job them three out of four matches and they could just come out and Enzo would spout a couple catchphrases and they would be just as over. Yeah. He, I have to give the guy credit. He was really good on the, uh, on the stick. You know, it was especially in the cast Enzo feud, just dynamite. But anyway, that's, um, that, that's the news. Now we'll get to the, the meat of this. Um, this past week, uh, unfortunately, the wrestling business saw the loss of a legend. Um, Leon White, a.k.a. Big Van Vader, unfortunately, um, he, would, he had uh, contracted pneumonia, and he was on the way back. But at that point, what doctors had told him happened, and his heart just gave out. Um and it's unfortunate. You know, Vader was iconic, and that's who we're going to talk about. We're going to give a retrospective to Vader, uh, which we were really kind of planning on doing anyway. And then this just kind of advanced the timetable. So uh, Brad's been doing a lot of the legwork to get us ready for this. But um, I'd kind of like to go around and just... Get, get general impressions to start us with before we start digging into the specifics. Well, it's it's quite the dichotomy, right? We're talking about one big man, big gas, and yeah. uh, big uh, big man Vader. Um, just maybe we could add just slightly more backstory. Like, unfortunately, part part of the reason why he passed away is for those who don't know, he he did have a lot of heart issues. Um, he had he congestive underwent, heart failure too. Yeah, congestive heart failure. For those who don't know, is a it's it's pretty it's much a death sentence. It is, but it 
in a way it is it's um it can be acute but it's it usually is is something of a chronic condition when it first starts it can be kind of manageable but it's not something that necessarily is going to get better uh, there are certain surgical procedures that you can get that'll make it better but uh, his i think by the time it was even discovered it was pretty bad um, i think they gave went, him two years to live that meant he had he must have had a, quite a lot of um he must have had a, quite a lot of blockage in his arteries things like that you you things happen to your cardiopulmonary system particularly like your your the coronary arteries are usually kind of blocked you get a lot of fluid around the heart it makes it harder for the the heart to actually beat yeah and then he had surgery earlier this year yeah i think april i think yeah and when I remember when I read exactly what they did to him, the type of surgery they did and how involved it was, and I think even how occluded his, his arteries were. I kind of was talking to some of uh, our mutual friends, and I was basically saying, I, it's actually a wonder that he survived the surgery. And I mean, I don't mean want to be morbid, but the type of surgery he underwent, it's not one that most people survive, let alone make a full recovery on. So I was always kind of... I was very happy that he you know, made it through it. And then, but I kind of held my breath because of this, unfortunately what happens to him is actually quite common. You'll develop pneumonia or something like that. Some sort of respiratory illness that just winds up taking you out. And, and, he, and he was at that age where you start not coming back <laughs> from that stuff as well as you normally would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vader was 62. And um, like I said, congestive heart failure, especially at his age is usually, um, usually the way I view it is you're, you can start counting your life and months instead of years and decades. So that really, uh, I knew it was coming. Um, I did read, did you, either of you read the TMZ article from his, uh, son about how, um, I, I try not to read TMZ. Someone posted ever. a link. Pretty much what they said is, um, is, um, Sting was, it was really, really my takeaway from it is um, Sting is an amazing human being. Like Sting w- spent like time with him and, you know, was like a real, like a real true friend for him, like down the the last months of his life. I did. I think I did read that. Um, I, I don't know if I read it from TMZ or if it was just regurgitated in like another news source, but I did read that, I guess, in the last... According to his son, who I think is his name Jesse White. Yeah, he was actually in NXT for a while. Yeah, he. I guess his, he basically hung it up, right? He didn't pursue wrestling no. much further. Yeah, um, I did read that he had said that. I guess in the last few months, I think he specifically said in the last ten months that Sting had been in contact with him, and they would talk. And I guess because Sting's, you know, in his real life, it has become kind of quite religious. They would. They would like, I guess, uh, kind of just pray, pray together, or just talk about religion and things like that. And I mean, that's to each their own. Like, who I don't, I'm. If you are at home and you don't kind of follow that, you don't follow religion. That's fine. Um, it's just that it's it, it is kind of good that Sting had that kind of compassion for someone he knew and kind of rekindled a friendship there with him and was able to be with him. And obviously, what was some very difficult times for him. 
I believe Vader is religious yeah. as well, so it was it wasn't mm-hmm. so much of a proselytizing thing as uh, he was like you know they were just you know they were kinship. Yeah, they were just, you know, kind of re, you know, they were just, you know, showing a kinship and like rekindling that uh, friendship that they had. The um, thing that I take away from it is I know how hard it is for you to be with someone whenever they're at the end of their life. And the fact that Sting took that time to go and do that with him had to be hard for him, too. But that's just incredibly um, you know, that's an incredibly gracious thing for him to do. And, uh, you know. And I think what really speaks to, to Sting, too, is I think even in that situation, like, just reaching out once or twice is a lot to that person. And he went even beyond that, it sounds like. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me from what I've heard. Um, Sting being that kind of guy. So anyway, I do um, I do want to talk about um so since I came to wrestling a little later in life, my actual first experience with Vader was on Boy Meets World. <laughs> he was on there twice. I don't remember the second time. I just remember so I remember it as he was the bully's father and he showed up in um Mr. Fenian he had a showdown. And uh, he backed off from Feeney for some reason or other. Well, you got to put Feeney over. Yeah. Um, it's one of those, uh, you got to put Feeney over because he's, he's got to come to work there the next day. He's, <laughs> he's also on an episode of Baywatch, but I never watched Baywatch. Uh, he was? They did something with the WCW wrestlers. And I think it was like Hogan and Macho Man versus... Um, him and someone else was it a thunder bay crossover no it was actually i think uh, it was a bash at the I'm beach sorry, crossover do you mean thunder in paradise you're right it took place in <laughs> thunder bay oh oh you know what i don't feel bad about getting that wrong at all i think i saw an episode <laughs> of that when it was out and it was not you know i i need this on on blu-ray <laughs> if, there, <laughs> if it exists which i doubt it does but I need Sting was on Thunder in Paradise. I think a lot of them were. He played um, he played like Hogan's arch nemesis, and he was a he was a villain. He was a heel. Um, I think his name was like Hammerhead or something like that. I totally remember this. I think I only saw ever one episode of it because that was like a syndication show, right? Like it would just be on whatever random channel had it. Or was yeah, it was on WGN. I think WGN I'm, had it feel like it was on you know maybe it was on wgn i mean they played syndication stuff because i think that's where um i think they used to have hercules didn't they uh probably i saw hercules on fox myself it, it was all around i think whatever yeah, your local it, station i think it was on the wb in my market well in any event there were the second episode was Vader was apparently okay? So the story is that Corey and his buddy, whose name I can't remember, are running back and forth between a school dance and the wrestling match to try and encourage Vader 
or help Frankie encourage his dad, who was Vader, in his match against Jake the Snake for the title. Oh, I remember that now. Now I, I forgot about that. It's not, to me, the, the weird part is not that this match apparently went on for two hours, given the amount of running back and forth they did, but that it's Vader versus Jake the Snake for a title, which is not a match I ever thought I would see. You know, I remember watching Boy Meets World, but I don't remember, like, the years that aired. Ah, uh, that was the TGIF. Um, I feel like late 90s is when it wrapped up. Yeah. Mid and late 90s, yeah. Because there was definitely a point where I knew people that still watched it, and they had gotten, like, really old and were, like, in college and stuff, but I think by that point I was in college, too. It lasted for seven seasons, 158 episodes, started in fall of 93, ended in, wow, May of 2000. Well, they, I think they have, um, they just did, like, like, with him and Topanga's parents and their daughter. Yeah, Girl Meets World. It was Girl Meets World, and you can, uh. You can ask you can ask Christy Petrillo about that show because he's a big fan. Uh, by the way, I hope he listens to this because I've I've like subtly dropped uh, name dropped Christy Petrillo in like every episode <laughs> of our podcast. Times. Yes, yeah. um, but he ha- he was a big fan of that show. I I actually watched the first episode of it, and it was so like over the top and ham fisted i was like no i can't i can't deal with this i can't watch any of that stuff anymore like saved by the bell can't do it anymore yeah i don't think it holds up but that's blasphemy to to zach malibu i um there's a lot of this stuff i couldn't watch but i could at least enjoy uh boy meets world for reasons i can't really put my finger on um but in any event, the uh, you know to to see Vader not only um, you know appear in those because like there was an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that Kevin Nash had a thirty second cameo in, but to see Vader have like a central role as himself in those that that was pretty unique. I thought it it's a little off topic, but I want to say. I wasn't a fan of the show, but what I think is a really underrated um, wrestling on a TV show is that 70s show when um, Ken Shamrock and The Rock were on it. And it was like them going to the matches at some local promotion in the 70s. It was actually the WWF was doing a tour in the area. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that they that, that it was that. Yeah, it was. The Hardy Boys I, were in that, too. I think I vaguely remember that. Was Rock playing his dad? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I do remember that. And I think yep. I think Shamrock had like mutton chops and like a fro or something. Yep. Yeah. Because my wife brought that episode to me and said, "Who is this?" And I said, "How do you not know what that is?" She said, "Why would I know?" And I said, "You're married to me." That's Ken <laughs> Shamrock. Um. So, you know, it, it's in any event. Um. Yeah. Vader. Um. It's it's heartbreaking that that we lost the guy. Yeah. Uh, just like I said, though, to, to bring us back, general impressions that you have about him before we get specific. Um, Brad, why don't you start us on it? So I started watching some of his matches just, you know, kind of for remembrance's sake when this ended. So 
I had one of my I had one of the Sting Invader matches on the TV, and my wife was watching it. And uh, my wife doesn't hate wrestling. She's not like an active fan, so her takes are kind of always interesting. And the match is kind of going on, and she's just kind of an on it. She's she's watching this Sting Invader match, and she's like, "This is like two forces of nature just colliding in the ring." I don't think I've ever seen something quite like this before. And I think I think what is amazing to me about Vader is you see this guy in all these different environments in his career and he really never changed his game at all and it always worked because what he did was so great. Vader had as long as you would give Vader the ability to um, build back up if Vader was over then he could lose a match and it wouldn't hurt him. The problem is if you were to take and and you know tank Vader, as it did happen at one point in his career, then it was really hard to you know. Then he's just another guy, unfortunately. But that stuff was staying. They both looked great, no matter who got the the pin at the end. Sting looked like a Sting lost the match that I watched, and Sting looked like an absolute absolute monster, even though he lost. Uh, yeah, my my that was kind of my my uh, takeaway of initial thoughts of Vader. Um, it is kind of lining up with Brad because as I've shared before on the podcast, when I got into wrestling, I got into wrestling in the early '90s, and I was largely watching. Or at least started watching uh, early '90s WCW, um, and when I started watching, the main focus of uh, the main kind of feuds was kind of Sting and some of the other baby faces were against the Dangerous Alliance. But Vader was there at the time, and he was kind. Of, he might have actually been champion by that point in late '92, but he was definitely um, <clears throat> there in the mix. He just wasn't kind of the focus. The focus was more on the Dangerous Alliance, but. He was there, and then as, as it turned into '93, it was that's when like the the Sting Vader feud really ramped up, um, and then they were also kind of feuding him with Ron Simmons. That's what <clears throat> eventually led to that really awesome uh, surprise title win, where Ron Simmons actually upset Vader. Uh, I remember watching that on TV and going crazy seeing that because it was such a surprise like unexpected thing um but i'm kind of digressing here I, I i didn't like him because back then i was such like a sting mark i didn't like him kicking sting's ass <laughs> all over the place <laughs> um but i really grew to like respect him because he they booked him amazing and he was a great worker i mean he was he's arguably one of if not the best big man i mean okay. i guess there's a few i want to guys wanna... I want to stop with that. I, I'm tired mm-hmm. of hearing people call him the best big man worker ever because I really think he is one of the best workers of all time, and it kind of actually diminishes his greatness by saying he's one of the best big man of all time. That's fair. I think that's he, a fair I, point. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. He, he was a legitimately great worker. Um, I think... I guess, in fairness, I guess if people throw that in there, it's because like the style he worked is more of a big power guy um but you're right he's he he was great in all aspects he's not like the typical big man where he's just using the size like he was able to sell he was able to move very quickly he could tell a story in the ring 
tremendous. So even though I wasn't a fan of his from kind of like a kayfabe reason when I was a kid, because, you know, Sting was my my boy, um, I did respect him. And then as as it kind of proceeded through the years in WCW, I still actually liked him a lot. I liked the feuds they put him in, like with Cactus Jack and Ron Simmons. Um, I thought it was really good. And it wasn't, you know, sadly until the whole like Hogan feud that things kind of took a, a big turn down. But yeah, by then he was on his way out and heading towards the WWF WWE. In um, for me, Vader is kind of a template of what a, a monstrous type guy in the ring should be like, because Vader could not only, you know, just be a monster and look like he's, he's like a bear mauling you. Um, you, he would also sell well whenever someone's coming back on him. You know, you look at, at Vader working with all kinds of people, and whenever they start coming back, then they start coming back in a way that, you know, Vader is taking those shots, and it looks like you're, you know, you're legitimately hitting, hitting him with something that rocks him. And you get that little bit of hope, you know. Here's here's the the second grader going up against the fifth grade bully, and he's landing the shots. Win or lose, at the end, both of them came out of a match like that looking good. And um, yeah, I got to meet him a few years ago. I know I mentioned it before. Pardon me for that, but I got to meet him a few years ago, and uh, I got to talk to him for five ten minutes. And it was just great to get to talk to him. I actually, I have a, I got a picture with him, and I have an autograph around here of. Um, I'd have to find the picture, but it's one of those where he's got a, a big like white fur-lined robe carrying a title. Because I'd asked, he said, "Well, which picture do you want?" And I said, "Well, you tell me which one do you think the good one is." And he said, "I always like this one," and kind of slid it over. And I said, "Then I defer to your judgment." Um, he, you know, he was such a nice guy to talk to. And, um, it's, you know, I feel like the world is, is less, uh, well off for not having him because this is a guy who, you know, if they had sent some of the, the larger workers to go learn from him a little bit, I feel like they could have benefited so much just from talking to him. He was also like legitimately scary to watch. I know that. Like from Foley's book, they talk about how some guys did not want to work with him because, you know, they didn't want to take the beating because Vader had a real heavy hand. But, you know, you watch him and it's it's intimidating just because of how scary Vader would be to see. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> so- so we wanted to do this a little differently than we thought other podcasts would. So pretty much what I did is I spent the weekend and yesterday kind of looking over his career, and I got on cagematch.net. So what we're kind of going to do is we're going to kind of present you with a chronological look at his career in the ring. We're going to touch on what I think are important matches, and I'm also going to like – we're also going to like walk you through kind of like who he was working and like you know the house shows and things like that where he was working you know what titles he won what awards he won when so i just thought it would be kind of an interesting way to kind of walk through his career so we're gonna start i guess 
we're going to start pre-wrestling. So he played college football at uh, the University of Colorado. Uh, he played a center. Um, he was a second-team All-American. He got drafted in the third round by the Los Angeles Rams in 1978. He spent um, his first year on the injury reserve. And then um, I can't tell if he actually played in 1979. I believe he was on the practice squad. But he does have an NFC championship ring because the Rams did make the Super Bowl that year and lost to the Steelers. But I don't think he actually ever played in any of those games. That ring shows up real prominently in a lot of the pictures his son's posted recently, too. Yeah, I saw that, actually. And so. I I would have to think, like, there are not many wrestlers that can say they actually have a championship ring like that. What is it? Vader and uh, Mongo? Steve Mongo McMichael, yeah. yeah. I think. Wahoo might have a championship ring. Well, I think we could also consider Angle to be in kind of the same pantheon, um, given uh, you know, given his success. Because you know the story that Joe, um, uh, oh crap, I can't think of his name. Who was the guy? Joe Namath likes to tell about uh, Wahoo McDaniel. I, I do not. That he brought a he brought a nice young woman back to his apartment that ended up to not be a woman but a man and that uh, Wahoo hip-tossed him out of his apartment and down the stairs, and that was, like, Joe Namath's favorite story to tell people. <laughs> no, I've never heard that story. So Wahoo, Wahoo did, like, he played, um, he played, um, he played football for the Jets, and he also wrestled on the side. Other fun little fact about uh, Wahoo McDaniel is um, George... H.W. Bush was his baseball coach in, like, middle school or high school or something. Hmm. Yeah. So weird bit of trivia. So anyway, uh, so he gets trained by Brad Ringens to be a wrestler. So he starts off with the AWA in 1985. The first uh, thing they actually had recorded was a 12-man battle royal. Uh, Baron Von Raschke won. Other members of this were... Buddy Roberts, uh, Greg Boyd, Jerry America, Jerry Artsky, Kevin Kelly, who was Nails. Uh, obviously, Vader was in it. Michael Hayes, <coughs> Rob, Rick Steiner, Stan Hansen, Steve Regal, and piece of shit, Buck Zumhoff. Uh, so looking at this, seeing some of the people who were in this match, you kind of get an idea of why Vader developed such a heavy style. You know, one of his first matches was in there with Stan Hansen. <laughs> so the the thing you're going to notice as we go through this is pretty much Vader and Stan Hansen have this weird marriage to each other throughout um, most of their careers. <clears throat> so he goes into the house show circuit and he works um, Scott Irwin mostly. Um if you don't know Scott Irwin, he died at the age of 37 from a brain tumor, which he probably had at this point in his career. This is this is a real downer to, at the start of an episode, isn't it? Yes. So 1986 starts, and um, he starts working with Stan Hansen like on the circuit for the AWA title. Um, one of these actually, from what I can, what I remember, made the ESPN TV show. Now, I understand that he's pretty much like a lower-tier mid-carder at this point. 
so it's pretty much Stan Hansen beating him up pretty bad. Uh, quick question. Yeah. This is really random and not re- entirely related to Vader. Um, any relation by Scott Irwin to uh, Wild Bill Irwin? I don't know if they're actually related, but they did team as the Long Riders. Mm. And they were the Super Destroyers. But I don't know if they were uh, actually okay. related. I should have probably looked that up. But they did team. Okay. Um, so other guys he wrestled um, in the spring were Larry Zabisco and Bruiser Brody. It would have been King Kong Brody at that for the AWA. So then um, in May of 1986, he starts working for the Catch Wrestling Association. What the Catch Wrestling Association was was a promotion in uh, Germany and Austria. It was uh, run by Otto Wands. I hope I pronounced that right. So this is where he kind of starts getting a real push. So they had this tournament called the... Oh God, the Selfeldner <laughs> Catch Cup, where he made the German the, German word Catch Cup. Yes, and he made it to the finals of that, where he lost to Klaus Wallace. So then he pretty much works the AWA off and on till May of 1987. So we're gonna hit up probably what I would consider his first really big match on uh, March 22nd of 1987. He beats Otto Wands for the CWA World Heavyweight title. And this was at like an AWA event. It was the only um, title change in America for this belt. And Wands had held the belt since July 15th of 1978. And, and just as an aside, in the AWA, he was called the Baby Bull Leon White. And here he is Bull Power. Uh, okay. I remember, I remember that. I remember he was, ba- I remember, I've, I've seen a match of his when he was baby bull and he, he was really green. It, he might've been a handicap match actually, you know that I think about it. If, if the, you haven't, if you haven't seen these, they're actually really interesting because, um, he's a little smaller and he's really green, but he's doing some crazy stuff. Like he's like sunset flipping guys and doing drop kicks and stuff. It's interesting. I, I I swear I have seen the name Bull Power in some kind of wrestling or fighting game when they were like, it's kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is Vader, but it's not. And I can't put my finger on where it was. Saturday Night uh, Slam Masters, maybe? Yeah, there, there was oh. definitely that one. Um, I actually feel in the Fatal Fury series, there was kind of a Vader XP in that. It might be because that would have been like at the height of his Japanese uh, stuff. Yeah, um, let me look this up real quick. Oh, okay. Raiden. Raiden. Yeah, Google, Google, um, Google Raiden. That's R, A I D E N. Fatal Fury. Yeah, that's that's totally Vader. Oh my Wait. God! Yeah, it is such clearly Vader. Oh I mean, he yeah, would have been, I remember that. He would oh, have been yeah, a look at that. He would have been an icon at this point in Japan. He was also called yeah. Big Bear. Big Bear, yeah. Yep. So okay. I think some of his AWA matches are on the network because they just did like a collection for him. Okay, uh, I've I saw the collection up. Um, I want to work through it. Uh, I didn't really like have a. 
have a structure whenever I was working through uh, some Vader matches for this. I just kind of like picked some stuff I wanted to see. Okay, so December 27th, 1987. He makes his de- debut in Japan as Big Van Vader. He beats Antonio Noki in 2 minutes and 49 seconds. The fans rioted and got New Japan banned from the Sumo Hall until 1989. So Vader's debut is to come out and just beat the crap out of Inoki. I think he had been wrestling Choshu and then he and then um Vader came out and just squashed him like a bug. Ah. Uh, yeah, and let's give a little more backstory to people. So for people who aren't familiar with uh, Japanese wrestling, Inoki is probably the closest you're ever going to get to the Japanese equivalent of like Hulk Hogan. Like he's he's an icon there. Like he is absolutely huge. So for this guy, this Gaijin, to come in and just squash him like a bug in three minutes was unheard of, completely unheard of. And and Japanese booking is also based very heavy on hierarchy, so things like mm-hmm. this are not normal. Okay, so um, it was after Noki had had a match with Ricky Chosu. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Was Vader using the powerbomb at this point? I've seen the match a long time ago. It is out there on YouTube, but I didn't watch it before this. I don't know. Okay. Just curious about that. Okay, so a couple weeks later, you know, the typical January 4th uh, show. This is 1988. Inoki beats uh, Vader uh, by DQ. I don't think I've ever seen that match, though. So then they meet up again on um, February 7th. And that one is a no contest. So then we go to, okay. and now this next match is to give you an idea of what's what where his trajectory is. So May eighth of nineteen eighty eight, a match to fill the vacant IWGP title. Tatsumi Fujinami beats Vader to win the belt. Okay. So then we go to June twenty sixth of that year. Uh, Fujinami beats him in a rematch for the belt. Okay, so after this, he starts working with Choshu. Um, Let's see. So then we go to 1989 in April. There is a tournament for the vacant IWGP title. He beats um, Chono and Fujinami to get to the final of the tournament. So we get to... IWGP title match, well, the final, with a special referee of Luthez, Big Van Vader beats Shinya Hashimoto to win the IWGP title. Is this basically what cements Vader as as a top-tier guy for New Japan, or was it kind of established before this? Um, He would have been upper echelon. Okay. But this kind of is like, no, this is a top-tier guy. This would be like him finally like getting be yeah, this would be him finally getting over the hump. Okay. That, so that, the, uh, that actually sounds like a hell of a match. I'd love to see that match. I think that one's out there. I'm I'm sure it is. You could probably I mean, worst case scenario, you could probably get it from a uh, Lynch, like or a tape trader, but Yeah. I should have looked. 
Actually, that's my fault. Okay, so he loses the belt to, um, about a month later to a Salman Hashmikov. I don't know if I've ever seen that guy wrestle. Oh my god, he was not good, I don't feel. <laughs> Unless I'm confusing him with, like, someone else. Um, no. That, I think, I, I want to feel, let me look Salman up. I feel like that was, that was when, and well, this was kind of like the prototype, I think, of, like, an Anoki putting okay. it on these random Oh, bringing in, dude. like, boxers and MMA fighters and crap. Yeah, I mean, I do, the one thing I do know about Salman was that he, like, legit was a, a legit wrestler like he had competed i think in the in the olympics or at least like world championships before that sounds right because i think i looked him up while i was doing this because the name yeah. didn't, didn't four world championship gold medals in freestyle wrestling in 79 81 82 and 83 mm. yeah so this is this is anoki's love of shoot fighters yeah and i don't i don't recall salman hanging around that long he had a, a slightly a bit of a he had a bit of a wrestling career but it wasn't it didn't have a lot of breadth to it i think i think i saw his name for a couple years in new japan but i don't think he ever did anything really after this yeah i think he's like a mid-carter his finish was listed as the water wheel drop a double leg back body drop yeah it it was this was goofy that he yeah i mean it's not as bad as kind of like the early the early aughts where he was putting it on, on people like, like Inoki was putting the title on like Tadeo Yasuda because he, Yasuda won like one oh, <laughs> mixed God. martial arts match <laughs> somewhere. Um, well, this is like, yeah. this is the early days of new Japan actually having the IWGP belt. So mm-hmm. it kind of hot potatoes around a bit. Cause I think, I think before this they had the NWF belt for a long time and that was just Inoki's like play toy. Mm-hmm. like his vanity plate belt so we jump ahead to august and the 10th of that month um vader wins the belt back from ricky choshu so you can see the belt's kind of hot potatoing around here mm-hmm. so we go to um the 21st of the same august and he wins the cwa belt back from auto wands um so he debuts for the UWA in November of that year, and he wins the UWA world title by defeating El Kanek. And um, he also works a few CMLL shows. Um, he dabbled in Lucha Libre a little bit, but I think he only did like five or six shows that I saw. He held this belt for like a year, and then he lost it back to El Kanek. Okay. He didn't really change I, I- much from what I know. I have very, very, very little knowledge of of lucha stuff. Basically, all my lucha knowledge comes out of like one of Jericho's books. Um, I watched it pretty actively in the late '90s and two um, thousands, but um, the UWA especially, I don't know very much about because it kind of by the time TV was readily available, the UWA died. Okay. So then, um, February of 1990 is the famous eyeball match with Stan Hansen. Yeah, and a quick interjection on that. Um, I want to say that match with Hansen, I 
think is up now for free by uh, New Japan. If you, it's I believe on their YouTube page because I I tried to start watching it earlier today, but I ran out of time. But um, I actually heard because leading up to this podcast, I was listening to some a little bit of a Vader shoot that he gave, and I don't know how long ago this was. It was I feel pretty recent, and he the clip that I was listening to, he was talking about that incident. And he actually the way he describes the whole thing, it it sounds worse than it actually was like in reality like i know we talked about this on the podcast before it, it it's it is a brutal thing if you if you actually watch the match you can see his eye does kind of bulge out of its socket he mm-hmm. said that it, it that did happen and that he had to physically take his fingers and poke his like eye back uh, in there because it yeah. was like uh, dangling a little bit uh, he said that uh, he he kind of was like soft soft shoeing around he's like look stan's my friend so like i don't want to say that he did that intentionally but you know he says he accidentally thumbed me in the eye and i mean but his eye was protruding and Mm -hmm. it's he said that it was swelling up which actually in a sense helped Mm -hmm. but he alleged that just it it that the kind of traumatic injury that occurred he had to have multiple surgeries. He had to have like the the it cracked his like it was an orbital fracture. He had to have like the bones around there fused. He said that because the eye protruded like that, it actually stretched the optical nerve, mm. the the optical cord. So I don't even know if this is possible, but he said that they had to basically like reattach the eye because the the cord actually got lengthened. So for a time, wow. he's having um. There's a te- there's a medical term for it. I, I forget what it's called. It's, it's I mean, like wandering like, eye, maybe. Yeah, it's like nystigmus or something like that. But he basically kind of had that where it's. He said he would look to the left, and his right eye would kind of like to be standing, like staring straight for, <laughs> forward, oh. because oh. It, it because of like the way the cord like was. He's physically like trying to look to the right with to, to the left. Sorry, with the. With the one eye, but it wouldn't move, so he had to have like additional surgeries. He said it, it uh, he made decent money for that match, and like most of it had to go in medical bills too. Wow. Yeah, so. Incidentally, folks, if you want to hear the reaction of someone seeing this for the first time, go back to our power bomb episode, and you will hear oh, yeah. and see that for the first time. Oh, it was the reaction is appropriately. Um, yeah. Energetic. Look, I'm not. I'm not a squeamish guy in the least. Like I can, I can watch a lot. I've seen a lot of horrible things. Like yeah, that's okay. But I, I injuries like get me. Like I don't need to see dangling eyeballs. Yeah, that's kind of where I draw the line there. Yeah. And yeah. the hell of that whole thing is, he pushed it back in, and they kept going. Yeah, it was and he, pretty he covered early that in the match. Yeah, he co- it, it's like it's like two minutes in, and he covered that in this uh, little shoot clip. He's like, I actually thought about calling the match, but he's like, well, you know, I guess let's just see. And then they went on for like another ten plus minute match. I think they went on for like another fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's I yeah, I actually think you're right. It's a longer match. Supposedly, uh, according to Wikipedia, that was a no that ended in a no contest. Uh, a lot of their that- stuff ended that way. Oh, well, this would not be the uh, last time that we see Vader and Hanson just have the kind of match where they, they just run into each other and you feel the earth move under you. 
like I said, they're kind of oddly married to each other for most of their careers. Like there's like a 15 year period where they just kind of like come back around and meet up again. Well, consider you've got these two dudes who are, I guess, roughly around the same size and then work the way they do. Let them work with each other. Golly, (laughs) you know? So as part of my watching Wrestle War, um, I was reminded of a, of a skit series where Missy Hyatt keeps trying to get into the locker room to find Tom Zink, and she keeps running into Stan Hansen, and he keeps calling her like a heifer and like saying she has a big butt and chasing her out of the locker room and how hilarious they are each and every time. Okay. Uh, I'd have to go back and see it. Um, it was actually on Wrestle War 91, um, which I was watching. We'll be getting to that here in just a second, right? Yeah, that's coming up. So, big day for Vader on July 7th of 1990. That is his WCW debut. And speaking of Tom Zink, that's who he beats on the Great American Bash pay-per-view. So I bet he he just murdered the hell out of Tom Zink. So he kind of does this part-time thing with WCW for like a year and a half or so before he finally like starts working full-time. Apparently that was, what, a two-minute match with Zink? Probably. Yeah. So on um, August 19th, he loses uh, the IWGP belt back to Ricky Choshu. So we bounce ahead to um, January 17th of 1991. He beats Tatsumi Fujinami for the IWGP title. Uh, Let's see. Where was that... I'm looking at your notes right now. That was... Oh, that's separate from what I'm looking at. Never mind. Also, in here somewhere with the CWA, it didn't seem as important, but he actually wins the CWA title for a third time, and he wins their secondary belt at some point in this time frame, but it wasn't Otto Wands. It was John Rambo, but it wasn't like... At that point, it didn't seem like that important in his career. That just seemed like a side gig. Wait a minute. John... They seriously called the guy John Rambo... Oh, there's like, yeah. there's like, there's like six John Rambos running around in like the late 80s, early okay. 90s. Because there's like a Portland John Rambo, there's like a Florida <laughs> one, there's like that what? one. I'm just shocked that they decided, well, no, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be shocked that they were going to run with that until they got sued over it. And I mean, I mean, it's, that's what wrestling does though. I mean, Memphis had Cowabunga like the Ninja Turtle or something. Let's <laughs> <laughs> so, be honest. Was it that um, Yoshi Kwan who did that? I think Brian Hildebrand did one too. Wow. I think that I think the Smoky Mountain one was Brian Hildebrand. Do you guys remember Yoshi Kwan, Chris Champion? They this white dude who they dressed up in incredibly offensive Asian vaguely cosplay. Was Chris yeah, Champion? I'm- was Chris Champion like Firebreaker Chip? No, no, he wasn't. He, um, he, he had a... I think he did a tag team with... I want to say Mark Starr. I think he was in a couple tag teams. I can't think I of actually, what he was in. Now that I think about it, I think Mark Starr is actually like his brother. Perhaps a real-life brother, but... At least, like, shoot brother. I'm uh, sorry, uh, storyline brother. I want to say they're actually really brothers. And I think they had a tag team in, like, Crockett back in the day. 
That man. Man, I, th- I know Chris Champion was in and out of Memphis for ever too. Uh, you talk about weird oh. characters in Smoky Mountain, and I just go to the Christmas creature. Actually, um, <laughs> so um, there's a podcast I listen to, and I will give them a shout out because it's a really good podcast. It's called Between the Sheets, um, and uh, it's David Bixon's fan and Chris Zellner. And pretty much what they do is they take a week of wrestling and they do this long form podcast where they cover all the promotions. But they are playing, um, they're playing a Smoky Mountain promo from James Mitchell when he was managing the Mummy. And, he, oh. and he he's like he told people to stop felching the family dog and then he called the dirty white girl the parking lot philatrix and i was at my desk at work and i about spit water all over myself wow yeah oh uh, yeah wow the, I mean, the Felching the Family Dog, I didn't think it was as funny. I thought the parking lot Felatrix was hilarious. That's... I don't know that I ever would have come up with that term. No, I mean, that's what he did in Smoky Mountain, though, is just references like that all the time. Kind of a proto-Joe Gurner kind of thing. And poor Bob Cottle is, like, standing next to him, horrified. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we hit we hit um, February twenty fourth of nineteen ninety one. Um, this is Wrestle War ninety one. Uh, Vader and Hanson fight to a no contest on the pay per view. So I watched this before the show, and um, I've never heard Dusty Rhodes on commentary enjoy a match so much. I remember watching this match, and it is God. These guys just lay into it. But when Hansen hits the ring, Vader hits him so hard that, like, Hansen has, like, a, a chaw in, like, a, a big wad of chew in. Vader hits him so hard, it just sprays all over the mat. Oh, it does. And they, they were grabbing chairs and hitting each other with them, but they were, like, those, they weren't folding chairs. They were, like, those plastic hard chairs that, like, you sit in. So, so they're just winging whatever they get their hands on at each other. Yeah. Gee, oh. It's it's like a six minute match, but it's worth watching because it's um it's uh it's a fun little brawl. Uh, yeah. Kind of kind of good introduction of what these guys are about. Yeah. So then on March fourth he loses the IWGP title back to uh Fujinami. So in April of May of that year he works uh he works a little more for World Ch- Championship Wrestling. He actually beats um, Jeff Sword and um, Rip Rogers on what was then called World Championship Wrestling, which later becomes Saturday Night. Ah, the mothership. Yep. Mm. So then, on um, August 10th of that year, in the G1 Climax, he loses to Keiji Muto in... Um, would actually got five stars from Dave Meltzer. So after this match, um, the so this is back at Sumo Hall. So I guess the fans had like cushions they could sit on because the chairs were uncomfortable. So after this happens, the fans start throwing their cushions into the ring. And I mean, 
we're talking we're talking dozens upon dozens of cushions. So after this match, Sumo Hall banned the seat cushions. <laughs> so think this, um, think the uh, everyone throwing their chairs in the ring in ECW predated by what seven or eight years. There's a point with where cushions. Yeah, there's a point where Mudo is laying on the mat and um, still selling how beat up he is, and he's totally buried. That's uh, yeah. I mean, and they they just kept they kept throwing it and kept. I watched the match; it's really good. I just I wish that um, whoever it was that was near the camera that would just keep screaming during the whole thing. Someone would have punched him in the mouth and shut him up. Usually, um, the guy that did the handheld was pretty good though, because a lot of times with those handhelds, it's shaky, bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like Cloverfield watching a wrestling match. So, if you watch this, you're probably not going to think it's it's worthy of the five star. But you have to understand at this point, um, Mudo had not was not a main eventer, so this was like a really big moment, as that was kind of him. It was kind of him being made. See, I watched it without any context, and it's a good match. Just, for me, a five-star match is, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to give a five-star match, you know, the the, the flat-out awesome five-star match, it's one that should be able to stand on its own. That's not a common opinion, but that's, I feel like, you know, you shouldn't, necessarily need the context for it it's a match that can stand on its own merits kind of thing i think at the time it really does stand out and i think it's it's a very hard-hitting match and mudo really plays a good underdog that takes a beating and keeps like finding ways to come back mudo comes off as a bulldog in this because he just you know vader being vader is is hammering on him and then mudo comes up and then starts unloading, and he's throwing these shots, and the way Vader's selling is they look like he's throwing them all the way from his heels, and they're landing solid. You know, it's it's good stuff to see. Again, I've just got a weird definition on five-star stuff. And it's become a hack thing now, but I really like the touch of Vader shaking his hand and raising his arm afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was a nice touch. Like it, it's on, it's on daily motion. It's a handheld, so there's no commentary or anything. It is. Um, I kind of agree with Shad. I don't think it's five stars. It's worth your time. It's not super long once you get past intros. It's probably what like a 14 minute match. Thereabouts, yeah. It's worth I mean, it. The whole it's, thing runs about a half hour, but you can cut the first 15 yeah. minutes of it off. It's mm. it's a good match, and it's worth it for the pillows. The pillows are absolutely crazy. <laughs> Okay, so also that year he wins the um, super grade tag lead with league with Tatsumi Fujinami. Um, so this is where we kind of start getting into the meat of his WCW career. So we get to October of 1991, Halloween oh. Havoc, Chamber of Horrors. Oh man, El Hig- this Higante, is a match. Sting El and the Steiner brothers beat Abdullah the Butcher, Big Van Vader. Cactus Jack and the Diamond Stud. The Diamond Stud, aka Razor Ramon, aka Scott Hall. Yep. This was Diamond Stud was in uh, Ramon's bulkier days, right? 
No, he was trimming down at this point. I think like was um, oh, uh, what was his name when he was doing the gator thing? I don't know. It Wait, like he had a gimmick based off of Gator starring Burt Reynolds. No, he I, there oh. was some weird like he looked like Magnum T.A. Have you ever seen him like in the eighties with his like porno stash and? Are you yeah, talking about when he was pictures. wasn't he when he was like in the AWA? No, he was Big Scott Hall. Um, oh, in the okay. AW. I'm talking when he came. Sad. I was all excited that he did a Burt Reynolds gimmick, and I didn't know about it. I'm talking. I'm talking about 1989 when he first showed up in um, WCW. Okay. So then we get to uh, so. Chamber uh, Porters is an appropriate name because um, that's the kind of match it is. It's it's. <laughs> It ends with the electric chair, which doesn't actually. You know, not not an electric chair drop, an actual electric chair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and poor Abdullah had to sell the electric chair. Um, so, wow! So can Just, I, wow. So can I say like, um, El El Higante like. I actually like him kind of okay in WCW, but he—I don't know. There's just something about him in WCW that's better than his giant Gonzalez in the WWF. I imagine he's yeah. probably in better shape and able to move a little better. Not really. He just has more no. charisma. Well, Guys, I—I uh, I just sent you a link. Um, oh no! Oh no! It's I, I had no concept that this existed. It, it is uh, Scott Gator Hall. There, apparently, there's a brief video on YouTube, Uh-oh. and the, he looks so much like Magnum TA. Oh, Magnum TA could have sued for like copyright infringement. Yes, yes, I was right. There is a Scott Gator Hall. Yeah, and he he's in like acid wash jeans and like a red tank top. Somehow, for some reason, he's down in the red, swamp. Like yeah, red sleeveless And he just t-shirt. has a stick, and he's like pushing gators into water. I, I I'm this is ponderous. Like I don't even know what this is supposed to be. I, you know who would laugh at this if he were alive today? Vader. Vader would have been like, "What the <laughs> fuck were you guys thinking back then?" <laughs> he would. It's. <laughs> 